Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. If you would stand to your feet and turn your Bibles with me to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 15, we're going to, Exodus is the second book in the Bible. It tells the story of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt after being in bondage for over 400 years. They come out of bondage and it's the story of God trying to give them what is promised to them. I need someone in this house to hear me this morning. God has promised you something. Say it again, pastor. I said, God has promised you something. Some of you have been in bondage for a long time that you forgot that you have a godly right to own something. You've been renting so long, you don't know that there's a piece of property that belongs to you. You've been in bondage and addicted so long, you don't know what it's like to be free. You've been in in a bad relationship so long, you don't know what it's like to have a peaceful one. I need somebody to hear me this morning and know that there is a promise that's been given to you. Somebody say amen. That's a good word right there, Pastor. Thank you, my babe, my wife. That's one good thing. When your wife is your biggest fan, whether anyone else says amen or not, I know that she's she's down with this king, you know? So. (laughs) Exodus chapter 15, starting in verse 26, or in verse 26, it says, He said, Moses is speaking to the children of Israel, said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, not in your sight. The Bible says in the last days, people will become lovers of themselves. We we do things today that we think are right, not what God's word says is right. And obeying his commandments and keeping all his decrees then... I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Read that last statement with me. For I am the Lord who heals you. Pray with me now. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I shared with you that throughout the word of God, the Israelites are revealed to different uh, facets and characteristics of God's name based on the problems that they went through. And so I need you to understand in a like manner in our progression in our relationship with God, we are revealed to who God is based on the struggles that we go through in life. So you can't look at struggles in life as a bad thing. Every struggle we go through in life is an opportunity to be introduced to another aspect of the character of God. And so when I'm sick, I get to know him as healer. When I'm, I'm, I'm short financially, I get to know him as my provider. When I'm struggling in a relationship, I can get to know him as my peace. When I, when I fall into sin, I can get to know him as my sanctification. And so what I'm telling you today is that the problems we face, the struggles that we go through, are opportunities for God to reveal another facet of his character to you. Let let me put it this way, which means this. If all you know is God is your Savior, that means all you've ever done is sin. 
You've never had an opportunity to know him in any other aspect of your life because you're just battling between sin and being saved, walking in the church and stepping out of the church. And so you've never had that aspect. But when you get to know God and I know that he's my deliverer, that I don't have to get saved every week, that he's not only powerful enough to save me, but he's powerful enough to keep me, that just because if I blow it during the week doesn't mean I'm no longer slave. But as I develop that relationship with God, come on somebody. As I develop that relationship with God, now I'm able to reveal different aspects of my character. As my relationship with my wife, when we met each other as friends, we got to know each other as friends. But when I got engaged to her, she got to know me in a different level. When we became married, now other aspects of my character were now revealed to her as well. See, through through the covenant of union... In the development of a relationship, you're able to get to know the different levels of a person's character. It's the same way in our progression and our walk with God. As we go deeper in Christ, we get different aspects of his character that we hadn't known before. And here the children of Israel are introduced to Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha literally means this, Jehovah personal God, a God of covenant, of God that wants to reveal himself. Rapha talks about to restore, to heal, or to make help. Uh, helpful. Now I need you to understand that Rapha is not just talking about healing of my body. But it's healing of my mind, healing of my relationships, healing of my finances, healing of my my surroundings. And I need you to understand that many of us think of Rapha as just being a healer of my body. But in the Jewish culture, healing meant all of you, body, soul, and spirit. You cannot have a healthy body but a sick mind. You cannot have a healthy mind, and then a sick body. In in the Jewish culture, all these things were intertwined. They were connected. So when we talk about God, my healer, God wants to heal your relationships. Come on, somebody. God wants to heal your marriage. He wants to heal your finances. He wants to heal your mind. He wants to heal your heart. He wants to heal your emotions. He wants to heal your relationships. He wants to take care of it all. Say it again, Pastor. He wants to make you whole. That's what Rafa is all about. My God, my healer. Someone say that with me. My God, my healer. We got to grab a hold of this. Now, let me take you up to the, to the, uh, the point that brought us to this. And someone just went to Hawaii and gave me these this morning, okay? This is the first time I've wore the, the shells, but, you know, I'm proud of them this morning, okay? Israel comes out of Egypt. After 400 years of slavery, they come out of Egypt after praying for deliverance under brutal, brutal domination. They've been slaves for so long. They come in as about 70 people in the family, and they come out in a couple million. Let me say that again. They came in to the land of Egypt with about 70 people, and they are leaving with a couple million. I need you to understand that during tough times, the Bible even says that the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more they grew. How many people here work out? Don't lie. (laughs) For those of you that do weight training, without the resistance, there's no growth. 
It is the resistance of the weight that literally builds the muscle. I could do 100 reps. Well, good for you. You're not going to grow. But when you put more weight on that bar and as you, you begin to push that weight, the more oppression you feel, the more stress is placed upon the muscle. And what makes the muscle grow is how much blood you get inside the muscle. The reason you contract a muscle while you're working out is to rush blood inside that muscle. The more blood in the muscle, the more the muscle swells. That's why you look all big when you get done working out. You're like, if I could just stay this way. I always tell my daughter when I get done working out, babe, when I come in, it's not the Hulk, it's just daddy. Don't get scared. And then she goes, in an hour, you're going to look skinny. As they come out of Egypt after those years, 400 years in bondage, as they're coming out, the Bible says they loot the Egyptians. I need someone to hear me this morning, okay? It's during the oppression that you go through that you grow. It's through the oppression that you go through that you grow. Don't just go through things, grow through them. As we get through, as we grow through the oppression, they go from 70 to a couple million. As they're leaving that place, the Bible says this. Yeah, you know, I'm going to take these off because we're. As we're com- coming out of Egypt, the Bible says they loot their captors. That every woman went to their house that they were working at, knocked on their door and told them, I want the gold, I want the silver, I want whatever, whatever. And they, the ladies were just giving it away. Notice it wasn't the men that went asking for it. It was the women. Why? Because the men were working out in the fields. They were putting brick together. The women were working in the houses of the Egyptians. They knew what they had in the house. You ever mess with the woman that wants something that isn't getting it? I ain't going nowhere till you give me that gold. I know where the gold is. Have you ever seen a woman argue with someone at a store? They, they, if there's a discount that they're supposed to get, they will fight. They will, they, these ladies were coming. They looted the children of, of Egypt without raising a sword. They walked out with the gold, the silver. They walked out with all the stuff that they had there. See, I need you to understand that no matter what you're doing today, you might not be getting paid for it right now. You might feel like a slave, but there's a day coming where God will pay you back for everything that you've ever had to do. God's keeping track of everything you're doing right now. You might be feeling, you know, as a minister, we've gone to places that, you know, I remember what first place I preached at, one of the first places I preached at, they gave me a chicken for my offering. Now, y'all think I'm talking about, it was a live chicken. It had feathers. It was clucking. And I got done preaching, and the pastor walked up to me and handed it to me, and it was shaking all over the place. But that's what they had. That's what that, they gave it from their heart. It was in Mexico. My school was right on the border of Mexico. I've gone to churches where I've driven hundreds of miles to get there. 
And then after you get done ministering for three or four days, they say, really appreciate you coming, Pastor. Thank you for blessing us. Now listen, I don't charge for the gospel. I'll go anywhere for free. But tell me I'm coming for free. Don't look at me like that because some of y'all, yeah. Let, let your, go, go to work this week and have them hand you a chicken when you get done. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting off track here. I got to get... I got to get back to this. They come out. <laughs> they come out of Egypt. Just amazing. God sets them free with the, with the plagues and everything. And they're celebrating as they come out. But then they come to the Red Sea. When they come to the Red Sea, they got a Red Sea on this side, a mountain on this side, a mountain on this side. And then they begin to feel the ground rumbling under them. And they pick up their heads and they see the army of Egyptians coming after them. Have you ever prayed for God for deliverance and it seemed like what he delivered you to was worse than what he delivered you from? Yeah, you were single. God, give me a husband, please. Now you got him and you're like, oh God, what did you do? You know what I'm talking about? God, give me a wife, and now all of a sudden you're dating her. Everything was great. And the moment the ring went on the finger and next morning she became something else. What he delivered you from and delivered you to are two different things. And the children of Israel are standing there and they're, they're yelling at Moses and they're telling him, why did you bring us out? Uh, we could have settled. We would have been all right there. I need you to understand, when we stop progressing in life and start settling for what we used to have, well, he only used to beat me once or twice. He only used to get mad at me or yell at me a, a little while. I need you to understand that there are times that we settle for bondage rather than struggle for freedom. We start saying we should have settled, I should have stayed there. No, I need you to understand what you see as an obstacle, God sees as an opportunity. Say it again, Pastor. I said when God, what you call an obstacle, God calls an opportunity. So whatever you're facing today, know God's about to do something special. Look with me at verse 15 of chapter 14. It says that the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? I love, this is one of my favorite passages in the word. Tell the people to get moving. What are you crying about? What are you, what are you praying about? Stop praying to me. Get up. Do something. What's he tell them to do? Move forward. Pick up your staff. Raise it over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the sea on dry ground. In other words, I want you to stop praying. Don't pray to me anymore. Get up and do something. Get up and off your feet and do something right now. Stop praying about your marriage and start working at it. Stop praying about your kids and spend time with them. Stop praying about getting out of debt and stop spending money. Dang, Pastor, that was amazing. That was just a, was a great word. That just spoke to my heart. That, that. 
You know, I, I need you to grab a hold of something because many times we operate in bondage and we get so comfortable in bondage that we don't know how to live in freedom. There comes a time to stop praying and a time to start doing. The problem is many of us are doing with never praying. We, we keep doing, but we never pray. God's saying here, there's a time to stop praying. In other words, you've got to pray, but there comes a time to stop praying and start doing. There's a time that we have to, and he tells Moses, Moses, stand over that water right now. Lift up your staff and declare over your obstacle. Turn that obstacle into a, for, uh, into a highway. You're going to walk right through. And so they do. They walk right through. God does this amazing thing. Look at this in verse 31. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power of the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe. Everyone say awe. Before him. And they put their faith, check this out, in the Lord and in who else? And his servant, Moses. And the Lord and in his servant. Whenever we see, get victory in our lives, faith increases and our faithfulness to God increases. I remember I was sharing with the first service that uh, when, when I first went to work with uh, Bishop Perea, uh, Pop's brother, in Manteca. We got together. We thought we were going to just explode. The church was going to... As soon as I got there, we had Jonathan follow with us and great uh, Samoan worship leader, Pastor Jonathan. We came together and we thought it would, the church was going to explode. And first year, the church just didn't, didn't take off very far. About a year and a half into it, Steve came up and he, he pulls me aside. He goes, hey, man, this, this doesn't seem to be working. You know, we're, we're trying to get this thing to grow and it's just not growing like we, we want it to. It's just not, it's not expanding and he goes, I, I, I traded you to uh, Templo Elim in San Jose for 100 communion cups and uh, a box of tithing envelopes. And uh, that's the way it felt. I felt like I was being traded. He goes, I called Pastor Claude O'Leary, who was our pastor. We both went to that church together. He goes, I called him up, and he's willing to hire you and take you on as the youth pastor there. He goes, I'm just going gonna, gonna to close up shop here. I'm going to keep on working my businesses of check cashing. And uh, we're just going to shut the doors. We're just going to, you know, we're just, it's just not working. It's just not working. And I remember sitting there thinking, man, that's, I didn't come here for that. But then he gave me these words. And these words are the words, Pop, that I've been living with ever since. And I've given this advice to other people as well. You didn't know your brother was this wise, did you? <laughs> he looked at me and he told me this. He goes, but before you go, let's leave on a victory. Let's get a victory under our belt before we quit. And so we went at it. We started working, and then we got our first victory, and church started growing. We were like, I felt pretty good. Let's, uh, next victory, we'll quit, okay? Next one, we'll, let's get another victory, and then we'll, we'll shut the doors. And we got another victory, and people start coming. Church starts growing. Before you know it, we, we leave that little church on 600 West Yosemite, move to a school, and from the school, we buy a new property, buy a new property, but we need more land because we're growing too much, so we buy new land, and then we begin to start building. All those things, each time, was just finding another victory. I need to talk to someone here right now that many of you are feeling like it's time to give up. 
you want to throw in the towel, you feel like you're done, I'm here to tell you, go ahead and quit, but quit on a victory. Get a victory under your belt first. Before you walk away, before you walk away from your kids, before you walk away from your children, before you walk away from your job, from your marriage, before anything else, before you walk away at life, get a victory. Work at that thing. Get a victory on your life first. And I guarantee you this, when you get that victory, you're going to fall more in love with your husband or your wife, more in love with your kids, more in love with your community, more in love with your job, and you will not walk out. Don't end. Make sure you do whatever you do, increase your faithfulness and your faith in God. Now, check this out. The address of the scripture is wrong. It should be Exodus, not Hebrews. Right chapter, wrong book. Verse 22 says, Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea. They came out of this major, major struggle here. Take, take a look at this. Now, this is something I call the agony of victory. The agony of victory. They traveled into the desert for three days. How many days? They're in the desert, man. They're, 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 they're in this thing. They come into the desert for three days without finding any water. When they come to the oasis of Mara, the water was too what? Bitter. In fact, the name Mara means bitter. They couldn't drink the water because it was bitter. Now, now follow me on this. They just came out of the Red Sea. There was so much water there, they didn't know what to do with. They come on the other side. They're, they're celebrating, they're singing, they're dancing. Right song, wrong side. They're singing the right song on the wrong side of the river. What if they had praised God before they even went through the, the, the Red Sea? Some of us need to learn to start praising God before the sea opens. When they get there, they're thirsty. So I need you to understand that most problems that we face in life is because our needs aren't being met. When a husband and wife fight, it's because there's needs that aren't being taken care of. At work, when you have trouble with your boss, it's because there's needs that they need you to work harder and you need more time off. And they come to this place called Mara, and something very interesting happens. They, they allow the environment around them to become the environment in them. Yeah. Instead of realizing that they were a people that had the power to transform environments, they became transformed by their environment. Sounds like the church of today. Instead of transforming environments, we're taking on the culture of the world. I need you to understand something that their environment of bitterness became an environment of bitterness inside them. Look at verse 24. And the people complained. They were just worshiping God a few seconds ago. They're complaining now and turned against Moses saying, what are we going to drink, they demanded. You know what? People are faithful as long as their needs are being met. People are fickle. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. They're talking about you and me. How do I know this? Take a look at any Sunday afternoon. Man, you're cussing out your quarterback because he threw an interception. 
You hate him, pull out the second stringer, you hate him, and then just one play later, he throws a touchdown. Now he's the greatest thing he should be in the Hall of Fame. I've watched you. I see you on, on Twitter. I see you on, on Facebook. You gave up in the third quarter. Now he's a hero in the fourth. Oh, Lord. I love our church. The people are cool as long as their needs are being met. I, I want to ask you this. Can you stay sweet when your needs aren't being met? I'm about to close. Stay with me. But what if you're bitter already? I'm not saying you don't have a right to. What if you're bitter already? How do you take something that's bitter and make it sweet? How do you take a bitter situation? There's a lot of you in here that have come through some bitterness. You could have given up a long time ago, Gov. In and out of prison, in and out of jail, drugs, all the things that you went through. You could have just kept it a bitter situation and left it there, but you didn't. So many things in your life. Yeah, go ahead. Give them a round of applause. Mihal, there's so many times you could have given up. Not just in your sinful life, in your Christian life as well. There are times you could have walked away. You walked and said, you know, I'm done with this. Washed your hands and walked away bitter. But you didn't. And now you become a drug counselor to help other people. I'm not even going to point out the marriages in here that you could have walked away. There were times I told you to walk away. Well, I didn't tell you that. I told you, you know, only God could tell you that. But in my mind, I'm thinking, you need to leave this dude. I've never given anyone the, the advice to, to, to walk. But in my mind, I'm like, I would have been gone a long time ago. You need to get out of this one. Thank the Lord, I'm not the Lord. <laughs> Look at verse 25. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help. And the Lord showed him a piece of wood, and Moses threw it into the water and made the water good to drink. I, I need to just tell you now you're facing a struggle. You're facing a struggle, nowhere to go. Stop going to them fools that are giving you bad advice. Stop going to them people that are going to take you deeper into the hole, into the pit. When you're going through struggle, know who to go to. Moses goes to God. Stop sharing problems with people that can't help you. Share it with someone that can help you get through it. Know who to talk to. Moses goes to God and he tells God the problem. Look what you got me into. I'm not the GPS, you are. You're the one that led us this way. Your pillar of cloud brought us to this river. And it's bitter. And God gives him a remedy. What do you do when God tells you to do something that makes no sense? You want me to heal my marriage by forgiving my wife? You don't know what she did. 
I need to be calling her to the carpet for that. You want me to put my family back together? This kid, I want to choke him. I can't even be in the same room with him. You want me to heal my finances by giving to God? Are you crazy? I got barely enough money to make it through the week. God tells him, see that piece of wood over there? This one? Yeah. Go to the water and throw it in it. What? Get the piece of wood, throw it in the water, and have them drink. <laughs> God, it sounded like you said to take that piece of wood, throw the wood into the water, and then have the people drink the bitter water with now a piece of log sitting in the middle of it. God says, yeah, that's what I said. Take the wood, throw it in the water. Now, if you go to any water purification class, <laughs> or you buy Arrowhead spring water, Alhambra, and you get your jug and they drop it off on your corner of your street or right on your porch and there's a piece of wood floating in it, you would not say, the Lord sent that water. When God tells you to do something that seems out of the ordinary. I got to take you back here. Verse 26. If you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do. And do. And do. Well, it doesn't make any sense. Well, you've been doing it your way for a long time. How's that working out for you? How things going? How's that working? He takes the wood, he throws it in the water, and all of a sudden, in some miraculous way, I don't know how it worked, I don't know how from the wood leaving his hand to hitting of the water, that the Spirit of God somehow takes this water and turns bitter water, not just drinkable, it makes it sweet. One man... One piece of wood makes a bitter situation, not just good, but sweet. Now, you're not, you're not catching this. Some of you biblical theologians are about to catch up with this. One man with a piece of wood made a bitter situation sweet. One man with one piece of wood made a bitter situation sweet. One man with a piece of wood made a bitter situation sweet. One man with one piece of wood took your bitter situation and made your bitter situation not just well, but sweet. I am the Lord that will restore, heal, and make you whole. 
<laughs> That's my wife. Bitterness. Why is this important? Because bitterness can keep us from receiving healing. We want Jehovah Rapha in our lives, but we got to first get rid of the bitterness. We're asking for Rapha, but we are still carrying around bitterness. The last part of verse 26, he says, Obeying his commandments and all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that heals you. If you take a look, and I apologize for going on, but I need to say this before we close, is that you take a look at all the plagues that were sent upon the Egyptians. They, they didn't just deal with the physical body. Part of it dealt with economics. The, the River Nile was the financial lifeline of Egypt. It's where they got their fish. It's where the market met. That's where all the life was. When the livestock died, it affected the economy of the Egyptians. When, when the lice showed up and the frogs, it, it affected the lifestyle of the Egyptians. It affected home. When all of a sudden boils broke out on their bodies, it affected their health as well. It affected their mind and their peace. And then all of a sudden the firstborn dies. It affected their families. There are plagues that are alive in our families and in our community that don't need to be here. And it's not the Egyptians' fault. It's Israelites. It's the church. That if we would just obey the voice of God... And that we would obey his decrees and listen and do what he says. God will come. The world. Second Chronicles said that if they, my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. But you can't forgive others when you're filled with bitterness. Book of Matthew says this as we close. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. You don't forgive, you don't receive forgiveness. And when we don't forgive, it develops bitterness and you end up with Mara. When Naomi was coming back after she lost her whole family, Naomi means pleasant. She came back at the time of harvest, season had changed, and she tells the people around her, don't call me pleasant, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, call me bitter, for the Lord has stood against me. Not knowing that she was walking into her harvest season. I'm here to tell someone right now that if you would just recognize that you're not bitter anymore, and that you would release the bitterness that you've been carrying around by maybe a pastor that hurt you, a church that hurt you, a husband or a friend or a child or a family member or someone from way back in your past. If you can let go of it, you'll find out what Jehovah Rapha is all about. Amen. Bow your heads with me. Thank you for downloading this message. 
For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.